fraud have never ever worked. Not once. Eventually, things go south. When the hell did we forget all that? That's from The Big Short, Hollywood's version of how the Great Recession got its start. It's been 11 years since things hit rock bottom. Have we conquered the business cycle? Are there a few years left in this economic expansion? Or could a 2020 recession really be a thing? Today, we offer a speed round of quick takes. This show is all about separating hype from fundamental change. I'm Paul Jarley, Dean of the College of Business here at UCF. I've got lots of questions. To get answers, I'm talking to people with interesting insights into the future of business. Have you ever wondered, is this really a thing? On to our show. It's typical this time of year for people to begin to turn the page and express their hopes and fears for the new year. A common topic is the economy, especially in an election year. Will 2020 see continued economic expansion or a downturn? If a recession is looming, what's most likely to make it happen? And can we fix it? Luckily, I have a lot of friends who are economists. First up, Sean Snaith. No, I think the short answer is no, there's not going to be a recession before the 2020 election or, or in 2020 at all. I think um, there's enough momentum, particularly in the household sector of the economy, which is in a really good place right now. Uh, consumers uh, have one of the best labor markets we've ever seen in terms of job opportunities. Income growth has been very strong. Wage and salary growth is 3% plus. Um, Consumer confidence is at 16, 17-year high levels. And so that's 70% and then some of GDP. Now, there are other things that are a little bit shaky uh, because of trade and uncertainty with uh, politics and how I think that's impacting some investment spending decisions that have been delayed by both these things. But uh, I don't think any of those are enough to really pull the economy down, not, not when consumers are in the place that they're in now. This this recovery, I mean, could have quite a few more years left in it because in a lot of ways, it, it never played out the way previous expansions have played out. And one thing I've been thinking about lately is the housing market. There's still, we're still almost in an early recovery phase in housing because we're so far behind the curve in terms of supply and demand. We didn't see a building boom yet. You know, you look at inventories, uh, certainly in Florida, but really nationwide, they're very low. It's a, there's a supply uh, shortage. Next up, former head of the President's Council of Economic Advisors and UCF alum, Glenn Hubbard. Glenn and our next three guests all joined us for a panel discussion a few weeks ago. They were all part of our podcast on billionaires, border walls, and self-driving trucks. Well, thanks, Paul. It's, it's a very interesting time in the economy. There are two ways of looking at where we are. One is that we're slowing to a rate of growth that's probably more typical for the U.S. economy, something around 2% coming off of the high uh, from the tax change. Another is that we're actually in a dangerous situation close to a recession. I don't believe that, but I'll, I'll walk through why and, and where I think the risks are. So uh, if you look at the state of the economy right now and in the rearview mirror, you would think about the unemployment rate and consumer spending. Those are very healthy. Uh, unemployment's as low as it's been uh, in a generation or more. Uh, consumer spending is healthy. The worrisome thing going forward, which is why there are risks, has to do with business investment. The corporate tax changes in the Tax Cut and Jobs Act were very positive uh, for investment. Uh, John Taylor and I had estimated a very significant increase in investment uh, as a result. That was exactly unwound by bizarre political uncertainty. 
coming from trade policy that led to a risk premium that's depressing investment. The risks to the outlook are really two. One is economic, sort of the global economic situation, Chinese growth slowing, still quite weak European growth, and then extreme political risk. Steve Davis and colleagues at Chicago have been tracking this, have not seen political risk elevated at this level in an advanced economy ever. So that is something I think to worry about. Mm -hmm. But on balance, I, I don't think we're at the cusp of a recession. Our first two guests were macroeconomists, or what most of my friends would call political scientists. The real economy occurs at the micro level, where firms, consumers, and workers and their families make real choices about what to spend on, what to invest in, and what determines our future. So let's hear from John Solo, a microeconomist in our Department of Economics. We're in the midst of, or maybe towards the end of, a very long expansion, pushing 11 years now of, of positive growth. And that, But, you know, the economy does go into recessions. I don't think we have conquered the business cycle entirely yet. Something is bound to happen someday. Um, I, I absolutely agree with Glenn's take on what things are doing now. The growth rate is slowing a bit. Uh, the last couple of days, there have been a couple of somewhat scary reports. Uh, so consumer spending seemed to have softened a little bit. Uh, that I just heard yesterday. Um, and manufacturing is not growing. Manufacturing seems to be uh, in a bit of its own recession uh, already. That said, you know, the economy that we're in these days is uh, we are predominantly a service economy now. It's, we don't do as much manufacturing as we used to. 85% roughly, as I heard, was the, uh, of, the, of the jobs are in services these days. So maybe that won't hurt too much. I absolutely agree. The risks are, the, the, the big economic risk is that something happens in Europe or in China uh, that reduces demand for American goods, um, and the trade policies aren't helping. And finally, from Samia Panda, an associate professor in our economics department who spent some years working at the Bank of Canada. Um, I agree with almost everything that has been said so far. Uh, I would add to that, though, um, so the downside risks, as I see it, are threefold. One is on the demand side. Obviously, business investment is slowing down. Manufacturing has already flipped to negative growth territory. Uh, so if there's, a, there's also a slowdown, if this actually spreads to the consumption demand side. So right now, cons consumer confidence seems to be pretty robust. And households, ba household balance sheets have been repaired in the last decade. They've, households have deleveraged from about 1 GDP to 0.75 GDP or so. So there is still room for consumption demand to increase, even if we, as we cut rates. But the worry would be on the demand side that um, consumption basically catches a cold as well as investment. On the supply side, obviously, the, the supply chains can be disrupted. So there is now perhaps talk of movement of firms from China to Vietnam and other parts of the world or maybe coming back to the U.S. That will have some implications about productivity growth and pricing. So this could be an adverse cost push shock to the economy. And on the financial side, I think the biggest risk is perhaps a risk-off type of situation uh, where there's a sell-off in equity markets and spreads start increasing. Now, 
the vulnerability there is that uh, in the last decade, our non-financial corporations have uh, ratcheted up their debt levels, right? So the debt levels, I believe, is around 0.5 GDP or so, uh, highest in the last 30, 40 years. So if the spreads were to increase, then they will probably find it harder to roll over their debt, and that seems to be the issue. So these are sort of the downside risks. On top of that, I think, on the policy side, we have pretty little room in terms of monetary policy and fiscal policy to sort of counteract these uh, downside risks, right? So the, um, the Fed has already taken two interest rate cuts as insurance. It's expected that they will do uh, more even in the, in the near future. But there's very little room for rate cuts, right? We have about 200 basis points cuts. And then maybe unlikely that we go negative after that. And QE, who knows? how effective QE will be this time around. And in fiscal policy, again, we, we have so much debt uh, already and so many obligations going forward that we probably have very little fiscal space as well. Mm-hmm. So those are sort of the risks. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you, of course, they don't call it the dismal science for nothing. No, I know. You know <laughs> but I, I agree 100% with this. The, the big worry about a recession is what we could do about it. We've used all our bullets. The Federal Reserve (laughs) is already in the middle of cutting rates, but has very little room to go. Can Congress and the President agree on something? I don't know. Not just this Congress and this President, but any Congress and any President in in recent times. And we don't have that many automatic stabilizers that would take effect. Even when people have talked about, well, what if the Fed and the Treasury coordinated, which to me is fraught with some peril, but let's assume they did, Congress still has to approve that. So I look at this, and a worry is, will is our political, not as economics up to it, but is our political system up to it? That, that's scary. Sean also has a take here. He's a little more optimistic that when a recession comes, there'll be some flexibility to meet that challenge, especially on the monetary side. Uh, well, I think monetary policy, I think the old way of doing things, which is, uh, took place when banks kept zero excess reserves, uh, is gone. Uh, and, and so the Fed could just add and drain reserves into the banking system, manipulate the federal funds rate, move up market rates via that mechanism, and affect the change in the economy. That that option's uh, not very much on the table anymore, but you still have you know, the possibility of uh, additional rounds of quantitative easing. They, they can go that route. Uh, fiscal policy, uh, well, you know, there's this uh, fringe group. Uh, yeah, nobody talks about the deficit anymore. I do. I, I talk about it all the time, but I, I'm just an old crank. It's kind of stunning, though, right? It is stunning. $23 trillion and counting. And, um, you know, there is this, I, I call them a fringe group of economists that uh, are pushing this thing called modern monetary theory. And the heart of it, basically, is that, that the debt doesn't matter, that the federal government can run as much debt as it wants to without any consequences. And, man, that's terrifying, especially when you have a political debate around, you know, should we give everybody Medicare and pay off everybody's student loans and pay for a new uh, green energy deal that may cost $90 trillion plus. Um, you combine those two things, the debt doesn't matter, and here's, here's some great ways to run up massive amounts of debt, and that, that's a little bit frightening. There's more than a fair bit of research that shows economists are bad at predicting recessions until they start to see signs that we're already in one. It's a better late than never sort of thing. Our experts clearly aren't seeing those signs yet. Instead, they see a strong economy facing weak headwinds. All of them agree that a 2020 recession isn't going to be a thing. That's good news. But this will be 12 years of a recovery. And like John Solo, I don't think we've conquered the business cycle. When the economy does turn down, 
Our panelists differ a bit on how much room the government will have to maneuver and cushion the blow through monetary and fiscal policy. Let's hope Sean is right here, and that when the time does come, policymakers will be able to rise to the challenge. What do you think? Check us out online and share your thoughts at business.ucf.edu slash podcast. You can also find extended interviews with our guests and notes from the show. Special thanks to my producer, Josh Miranda, and the whole team at the Office of Outreach and Engagement here at the UCF College of Business. And thank you for listening. Until next time, charge on.